What's going on, everybody? Wesley Shoemaker joined by Aaron Parker back with you today on another edition of the BlueGoldSports.com podcast. Today, we're going to be talking about all things spring football. Um, today is Wednesday, April 20th. In three days' time, West Virginia will be having their last spring practice in the annual uh, Gold and Blue spring game. Uh, A lot of things to look forward to, including quarterback play, secondary play, use of tight ends, and we're going to get into all of that. First things first, Aaron, how are you doing? Happy Wednesday. Nice day out. How are you doing today? I'm good. Nice day out. WV beat Pitt at PNC Park, so it's a good day. Yes, they did. A baseball team coming off of a little bit of a struggle on Sunday, but good rebound today. First thing I want to start off with, though, is talking about the quarterbacks. Obviously, it's kind of the beginning of the JT Daniels era, just waiting for fall to hit at this point, I'd say. Um, but you still have three quarterbacks in that room. You have Nico, you have Garrett Green, and then you have Will Goose Crowder. And Neil Brown talked about all three of them. Um, I'll let you kind of get into what he said. You were there, I was not. So uh, just start start with, I don't know, start with Garrett. What, do you, what did he have to say about Garrett? And what are your overall thoughts on Garrett heading into Saturday? Yeah, um, on on Tuesday at Neil at Neil Brown's press conference, he did mention Garrett Green and how he like he's liked what he's seen from him so far this spring. He's operating. I think he said he's operating at a better level than he usually does. He really complimented his deep ball. Said it it was excellent at this point. He's thrown deep balls for touchdowns. Um, the only negative he said he's got to eliminate like the big negative plays. I think Garrett um, in the spring practice. I think we've seen a little bit during the fall as he tries to do a little bit too much, maybe plays getting blown up and he'll try to scramble or make a bad throw and he kind of just needs to eat and go on to the next play. So I think he needs to eliminate the big negative plays. But in uh, previous press conferences this spring, uh, Neil said he's got an alpha mentality. Um, So I think he's one of the best guys in the locker room. Um, So that's what he's got on Garrett Green. I think the best thing going for Garrett Green is his athleticism. I think just the versatility he has as a runner and as an overall athlete, I'd say, works well for him. And it works well, especially when you're a quarterback and you're, you just got to make plays. But also it can hurt you when you're, when you're able to extend plays like he can and you're able to be mobile. And then when you're on the run, you kind of – you don't see things like you would normally see when you're sitting back in the pocket. Things can get messy. And I think that's probably what Neil's talking about is Garrett Green knows the decisions he has to make. It's just a matter of if he can – settle down and make those decisions. Yeah, yeah, that's that's definitely one of the things. And the the experience he's gotten so far with with Deggy being uh, Neil's guy over the past two years was just like kind of come in and, um, you know, the defense knows you're running the ball and then they'll run the ball. And uh, I think he broke one open at TCU, something like that. But he doesn't have much experience in the passing game in game against Big 12 op- opponents. So when the pressure's coming on, so yeah, he's got he's got to get more experience with that. I will say though, he's got an experienced offensive line coming back. So if Garrett were to come out there, and I mean, I know everybody's expecting JT Daniels, but if Garrett were to have to go out there for some snaps, then I think he's got a more reliable line at this point. Moving down on the quarterback list, uh, Crowder, Will Goose Crowder. Um, he's kind of interesting to me. He he doesn't really have a spot. I don't think. I feel like there's a limit of three quarterbacks on this roster. And I feel like right now he's the odd one out. Obviously things could change with injuries or with just the way things shake out. But right now, like if he were to transfer, it wouldn't surprise me at all. 
Um, but he's he's kind of struggled. Neil said, "I is if is what I heard is that he's kind of he had to learn the playbook last year. Obviously, learned it, and then boom, uh, Jared Parker's out the door. Graham Harrell is in another new playbook, another system. What what are your thoughts on Goose overall?" I have the same thoughts, although as far as last year goes, I wish we would have gotten a chance to see him. Um, we saw him play a drive or two against Long Island University. That's not much competition there. Um, there was a lot of quarterback struggles in the room last year, and I just kind of wish we could have seen him last year. I agree with you. I think he's the odd man out at this point. I don't really want that for him, considering he's still young. He's had no in-game experience, really, and it's not really fair, but you got a guy like JT Daniels coming in. You got Nico Markiel coming in as a four-star pro style. You kind of want to have him under Daniels' wings and have him be the future. And then Garrett Green's got that alpha mentality, and he's been here. This is his third year. So it kind of is the odd man out for Goose. Um, Neil did say he he just kind of got the last scheme down, and for him to bring in a new scheme, Goose is kind of starting over. But Neil did mention that he had his best day on Thursday. So he's he's got the talent, but I still do think he's odd man out. Yeah, I, I just feel like if we're thinking realistically just off who they want to keep, obviously J.G. Daniels is your quarterback one. But after that, then you have Garrett Green or Will, who's been here. Like, you're going to go with Garrett Green, who's been there, who's gotten snaps, who's who knows the offense better compared to – Crowder and then you're all obviously probably going to want to keep Nico who you have the most kind of flexibility with the most control over in a sense and he's a four-star quarter like you kind of have to let him stay and then let Garrett Green and Will Grews Crowder battle it out that's just my opinion yeah and I agree they they want Nico for the future and um in Neil's press conference when talking about Nico um it kind of makes me glad that we're not just kind of throwing Nico out there just here, it's your offense. You better be good year one kind of thing. I'm glad JT Daniels is coming in for that um, because he said, Nico, he's just where he's a true freshman. I mean, he's still the age of a high school senior, but he graduated early. So he's uh, he's getting thrown into this. And Neil said that, you know, it's been a little fast for him. The spring's been a little tough. Um, he's turned the ball over some, but that's not to say he's had a bad spring. He's, he's made some big plays. Um, and Neil said he's hungry. Said he doesn't make the same mistake. Um, he doesn't repeat the same mistake. So um, he goes home and probably studies the film on what he's doing wrong. I think that's what Neil said, paraphrasing, of course. But to throw him out game one against Pitt, um, like I wanted that a couple months ago, but now I'm glad that's not happening so, as long as JT Daniels wins the job because that's not a good position for Nico at this point. Yeah, even the best quarterbacks, I feel like when you're a true freshman, you're going to have those moments of – struggle you're going to have those moments of confusion you're going to have those moments where some things just don't click for you obviously there's going to be your few exceptions but for the most part quarterbacks are destined to struggle no matter what that's just the how the position works but when they are thrown into the fire like Nico was about to be with all the pressure and all the expectations of in the world on him like it would have been hard for him to succeed. And I'm, I think I agree with you. I'm glad he gets at least a year. The, the thing that comes interesting with me is with Nico is though, that is next year, like JT Daniels still has another year of eligibility left after this season. So obviously if JT Daniels plays good football, he could go to the draft or he could return in a Will Greer type situation. And then Nico's kind of thinking, all right, well, 
when am I going to get my shot? And that could open the door, obviously, for the transfer portal. But I think if he's able to stay, he's going to have this year behind JT. Hopefully JT stays healthy. If, he's, if he can learn that through him, see how someone who's kind of has talent like Nico does prepares and executes on a weekly basis, I think that'll be good for him and his development. Obviously, if you can then put Garrett Green as your quarterback too, or red shirt Nico, or just, you know what I mean? Like do some, some sort of combination of all these things, then it can help Nico in the future. Yeah, I think some of the past events over the past couple of months has been real big for Nico. Uh, one, getting JT Daniels to be the quarterback that's in front of you and you kind of get to, I'm sure he wants to go out there and succeed freshman year, but I think he needs that year to sit behind somebody. Obviously, year two, we can think about that down the stretch. But um, And then getting Graham Harrell. I mean, if 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 you get no JT Daniels and no Graham Harrell, you're throwing out Nico Markiel or Garrett Green. Let's, let's just say you're throwing out Nico Markiel as a true freshman with no Graham Harrell offense. That would have been throwing him out there to die, basically, considering Neil Brown's quarterback play since um, – joining WVU staff has been really bad. Yep. So getting Graham Harrell, getting the air raid type guy, quote unquote, um, kind of spread it out. I think that's good for Nico and to have somebody like JT Daniels, who's been under that system with Harrell, who knows it to teach it to him. I think that's big time. Um, and, you know, if JT can stay healthy, then yeah, maybe it is a Will Greer type situation for him where he can either go to the draft or he can stay back for a senior year. Another thing for Nico is just letting the game come to him and letting things slow down. Neil, talk, Neil Brown talked about how things are just so fast and how you go from the, the high school level, even though he played at a fairly high high school level and played well. But when you come to – like, these guys, you're playing against some dudes, man. Like, you got some dudes who are running around chasing you. Like, you, like it's just a different game. And I think the way – the speed of the game, the speed of the offense, the speed of everything, just – it can kind of be, like, overwhelming at sometimes. And I think having this year to kind of see it from a different – vantage point and see it from the sidelines and take it all in will be helpful and will really help his development. Yeah, I agree. I mean, the speed of the game is incredibly different. You're looking at a pretty solid defense. You got, you got guys like Dante Stills. How many accolades does he have rushing you? Taj Austin, you know, Jordan Jefferson in the secondary. I know WV's lost some guys, but Charles Woods, what, 30 tackles, two picks last year two picks in conference play. He's experienced. You got other good, fast secondary guys out there. You got good linebackers um, with Lynn, J not Lynn, J not Lynn J. Dixon, but Lee Koga, my bad. Um, you know, um, some of those guys, it's definitely a, a different speed considering those guys are, are big 12 experienced and, um, you know, to put a, a true freshman quarterback out there, he's going to struggle in the spring. Um, you would hope that as practices go on, he gets more comfortable and gets better. You talked about um, the D-line, Dante, and those dudes, Jordan Jefferson, those guys. Just your overall thoughts. I think that's kind of one thing we should keep an eye on other than the quarterbacks this this weekend. It's just how the D-line kind of plays. Obviously, they're probably – we're not going to get the hard hits, the the violence of normal football, but we're going to see we're going to see things like speed and scheme and just the way these guys move around. And I'm excited to see how – I feel like they probably took the Akeem Mesador news personally. I feel like they took it as, all right, like, let's go prove ourselves. And I think you're going to see guys that have gotten stronger, um, especially on the outside, I think. And then you're, I think you're going to see just an overall better defensive front. What do you think? I really like the defensive line. I was a big a big fan of Mesador. I still think that decision to transfer was was 
ridiculous. But you got Dante Stills coming back. I did not think he would come back. You got a hometown guy there who wants to be here, uh, wants to prove himself, wants to make a name for himself for the NFL draft. So he's got a chip on his shoulder. You got Jordan Jefferson, who's in, what, year three at WVU. He's good. He's fast. You got Todd Austin. He's experienced. And I got a couple hometown guys that are going to perform this year, in my opinion. Uh, Sean Martin from Bluefield. I know uh, one of our writers, Rachel, put out a piece of him today. Um, he, he had what? He had a double-digit amount of tackles last year, I think, in a limited role. I think he'll be a bigger, um, a bigger key to the line this year. And then Zaki Lawton uh, transferred from Cincinnati, went to South Charleston. I think he'll be good, too. I think he sat out a year or redshirted at Cincinnati. Um, he probably had some dudes in front of him. So um, I think he'll step up and make some plays, too. This is what I'll say about the defensive line is that under Jordan Leslie's control, the defense has played really well, and they've played really well because of defensive line play. I think you saw last year when this defense played at its best, they were able to get to the quarterback. They were able to stop the run. They were able to, like in that Virginia Tech game, that defensive line, Jared Bartlett and those folks, like they took over down the stretch there. And I just think that when you have a defensive line that's able to command attention, that helps with other things, such as a secondary, which – they're going to be they're going to be a young secondary in terms of snaps I think and I think like another thing on Saturday is to watch their play you're going to be going up against quarterbacks that are going to want to make plays that are going to want to prove themselves in front of a fan base and there, there's going to be opportunities it's just a matter of what oper- what they make of those opportunities so secondary play Aaron what do you what'd you hear from Neil and what do you think of it um, he, he raved about the secondary for a while. Um, in fact, there was a question from a reporter that basically asked, what group do you think is, is getting the most, is getting better, probably the fastest or something along those lines. And he, without a doubt, said, um, he said secondary. Um, he talked about Davis Mallinger. He talked about uh, Malachi Ruffin had two interceptions on Thursday at, at, at the stadium. Uh, he talked about Charles Woods. He said Woods is really the only like, experience like game experience guy on that roster like I said 30 tackles two picks I think he had one against one against TCU for sure um and he said he had a really good day on Thursday and and another day too so Charles Wood is Charles Woods is going to lead that group um and you're going to have to learn some new some new names new faces he talked about talked about Burks uh being good and um getting better at stopping the run Mallinger you, you just you're just gonna have to learn some new names and faces and I think the spring game is going to be a good opportunity to learn some new names. I think that the secondary, the way I've kind of heard about it is they're going to be fast and they're going to be flexible. And what I mean by that is they're going to be quick to the ball. It's just a matter of, they might get, they like, there might be, there might be some mix ups sometimes, especially early on. I think you might see that, but they're going to also be able to flex into man or zone, depending on who's on the field. And I think that's a plus and that you haven't really seen this team kind of be that versatile in the secondary in the last couple of seasons. And I think having a faster group, as they said, they kind of realized they got to be faster and bigger. And so they went out and they got length and they got guys who can run. And I think that's just overall building and having good building blocks for the future. Um, and I think that, you're, as we said earlier, like if you if your defensive line plays well, it's going to take the pressure off the secondary and it's in a very young secondary in that. And I think that will be good. Um, one more thing on the offensive side of the ball is tight end use. Obviously, um, Polanday, Brian Polanday from Colorado State University, um, he's now Mountaineer. Uh, so 
Neil talked about how they wanted, they're going to obviously do more blocking with him in the game. They're probably going to be able to run some more 12 personnel, uh, one running back, two tight ends. Once him, Michael Laughlin, they all get healthy. Like once they get healthy and get going, I think you're going to see a lot more tight end usage from this team, especially if you can get both guys able to catch the ball out of like when off of routes, then I think you can be way more flexible offensively. Um, Thoughts on Polanday, Polanday? I'm really not sure how you pronounce his name. I apologize. Um, thoughts on the tight ends, though? Yeah, uh, Neil was talking a lot about Polanday. Um, I think that's how you pronounce it. Uh, I saw him in practice. He looks like a big dude. Um, he was really raving on his ability to block. I think Michael Laughlin is a uh, top tight end in the Big 12, or at least he can be. He just hasn't really stayed healthy that much. Laughlin is, I mean, he's a really good blocker, really good in the run game, but he can step out and catch the ball, too. So if he's healthy, I like him as a number one. And then Paul Indy, too, um, is a good uh, good for the run game. I think Neil said he's like, you're going to see him contribute in the fall. You're going to see him contribute in the run game. I think early on, you're not going to see him get as many touches like as far as routes go. I don't know that for sure. That's just my prediction because they asked him how his um, like his hands were. And Neil said he's getting better. Um, I, I think Neil said he didn't – he was more used in the run game and the run block game at Colorado State. I think he sat behind a, um, a good tight end at Miami. So um, he said, I think he said during the spring practice, Polandy's got um, like more routes and more balls thrown to him probably in his career at this point. So as the season begins, you'll probably see like um, if it's a, a pass to a tight end, he'll probably go to a off one first. It also makes me wonder, like, like we say, like two tight end sets, but it's a Graham Harrell offense. Like I kind of wonder if we're just going to, if they're just going to drop back and go five wide. I wonder if they'll, Show us any two tight end sets. See, I think you are going to see two tight end sets because of one reason and one reason only, and that's the running backs you have. I think because you have such skilled backs and you have so many of them, like you're going to have to run the ball to be successful anyway. And I think there's going to be games where you're running the ball super efficiently and you're going to keep doing that. And I think having that 12 personnel with two tight ends is going to help do that. And then obviously you turn that into play action. Like you get a bootleg going to all off when you have pump, like you can do so many things with the tight ends. And we haven't seen West Virginia under Neil Brown really utilize the tight end because a has been hurt and because just he hasn't really had the chance to recruit like that. And he said he wanted to go into the portal and get that. And so hopefully for the first time, since I think Trayvon Wesco and 18, like there's going to be some production at the tight end level. And I think, on an offense that doesn't really have as many weapons from the outside. Like you have Prather, you have BFW, you, like you have running backs, but just adding more versatility never is a bad thing, especially in the big 12 where you're going to have to win some games by running the ball, but you're also going to have to win some games by putting the ball in the air. Yeah. This WVU team has a good running back room. I mean, Tony Mathis really established himself to be that number one at the end of last year. He had a couple 100 yard performances. You got Justin Johnson you got Lynn J. Dixon from, from Clemson. You got a good room there. So as far as tight end plays play goes, yeah, I'd, I'd like to see a two tight end set. Or, um, you know, maybe it looks like a, a run and you get one tight end out toward, to the right or left and maybe you go bootleg and throw it to a Laughlin. I mean, that Laughlin little bootleg play works on third and fourth down a lot. Um, obviously, he got hurt in the TCU game, so you didn't see it as much down the stretch. But, yeah, yeah. And, and Harold has even talked about in press conferences about running the ball. He said, it like, if you look back at his offenses, like everybody focuses on the air raid in the past, but his offenses have run the ball efficiently uh, when you go back to his time at USC and North Texas.
One more thing for me on Saturday, and I'll get one from you too. Biggest thing you're looking forward to, um, and I'll start. Um, biggest thing I'm looking forward to is probably the snap share that we see between quarterbacks and running backs. I think there's going to be a clear battle for that number two spot, and that number two spot could be big uh, depending on what happens with JT Daniels' injury. Obviously, he has an injury history, and he could get hurt in the snap of a finger, and then you're, you're calling upon your number two quarterback, and I'm interested to see kind of who takes that job by the reins and the snap count for them on Saturday. I, I would assume they're going to be pretty evenly split, but I'm also, I'm also assuming that some will be with ones and some won't be. Uh, another thing I'm looking forward to is the running backs, just seeing all those guys in action. I think Tony Mathis, Lynn J. Dixon, Justin John, like you got, you got guys in there that can like, that can run the ball and that are good at what they do. So I think that's something, those are two things I really want to, look forward to on Saturday what about you Aaron yeah I agree with that seeing seeing snaps is a big thing is I, I definitely want to see who's going to be that number two back because I think Mathis is going to be the one so I want to see if if they give it more to Johnson or Dixon um, and yeah the the who's going to be the two at quarterback is, is a big thing especially if Daniels uh, gets hurt or something like that um, with the team being so young and like the secondary goes Neil has talked a lot about them and praised them and, and all that, but you've had three transfers in the secondary, so they're young. And he said Garrett Green's throwing the deep ball well. So I'd like to see some deep ball, like one-on-ones, a corner versus a receiver, one-on-one. I remember last year's spring game, Garrett, I think it was Garrett Green, threw it downfield to Kane Prather maybe, made a, made a nice play or something like that. I think it was. Prather. I don't remember all the time. Yeah, I <laughs> – I think I would like to see that, just some kind of one-on-one -on -one battles, maybe Green or Mark, you'll kind of throw it downfield and, and test Malinger at the safety position, test uh, Burks out, some of these younger guys and see that. Um, linebacker play too, every press conference they talk and rave more about Lee Kobga, Kob, Kobba. I, I'm not sure how to pronounce it, but he's supposed to be really good. Um, you've had some losses there with Samito leaving and, and Cowan transferring as well. So um, I'd like to see how they perform. One more thing I'm looking forward to, I forgot to mention this, is just the increased kind of competitiveness. I feel like last year's spring game, we kind of saw more of a drill type practice than we did a competitive practice. And Neil did say that they're going to they're gonna do more of like more competing this year of actual put the ball down, let's play. And I'm excited to see that. I think fans are excited to see that. I'm excited to see football. Like, it's been, it's been a while since we've seen this team take the field. Obviously, last time they took the field, it was not the prettiest sight in the world down mm -hmm. in Phoenix, and so I'm excited that. Taking a pivot, um, funny we say pivot, because that is exactly what Jalen Bridges did today. Jalen Bridges, if you have not heard, announced his commitment to play at Baylor. Uh, I'll start here. I wish Jalen nothing but the best. I hope he succeeds. This is not the same Oscar situation of him leaving and going. Jalen chose to enter the transfer portal. He was fully right. Like he had the full right to enter the transfer portal. He seemed just based off of the way Twitter seemed with him and his girlfriend and the way that like just the way things were said, I think he just wasn't happy at West Virginia anymore. And I hope he's happy at Baylor. I wish him all the best of luck. But when he comes into the WVU Coliseum next year with the Bears, 
it shall be interesting. Yeah. Interesting to say the least. Um, I, I agree with you just being on social media. You can tell he's not happy here. I wish it wasn't that way. You, you would really think somebody from Fairmont um, starting for WVU would be happy, but that's, that's just not how it went. Some social media interactions. I don't want to get into all of that, but yeah, seeing him play, play for Baylor hurts. Um, I do not like Baylor, um, but I do respect them. I've gotten a lot uh, more respect for Scott Drew over the years. Seems to be a true friend of, of Coach Huggins's. Um, and as far as the situation goes, I don't think it was like Oscar Shibway either. I think there was some some hand words or something going on with Oscar. Jalen fully, you know, he entered the transfer portal. Scott Drew came to Fairmont for an at-home visit, brought, brought him to Waco a couple of days ago. So I think I think Scott Drew really wanted him, really made it a priority to get him to like Baylor before teams like Michigan State and Pitt could even get them on their campus. I know Michigan State wanted him. They didn't even get him uh, an offer yet. So Scott Drew got a big pickup with him. I don't know. Like this this past year, you wanted to see more of Jalen every game, uh, what he could do. Like we know what he can do, but he didn't really uh, he didn't assert himself. He didn't he didn't attack, if you will. I can see him doing that for Baylor. I'll just be interested to see kind of if his game changes. I mean, obviously we saw him and that he could score the ball. Like, but I want to see if he's going to dribble, like if he's going to handle it more, if he can drive to the basket a little bit more, if he's just going to be like a kind of catch and shoot, two dribbles to the basket. You know what I mean? Like, I'm just waiting to see how Scott Drew will develop him. I think Scott Drew has shown his ability to be a really good player developer. Um, and it's going to be interesting to see him in the Big 12 again. Like, it's going to be cool to see Jalen still playing. Like, he's a good guy. He, he, like, he cares for the people around him. I just think it was a toxic environment at some point for him. And I just think he had to get out. I agree with his decision to transfer. Obviously to Baylor, it sucks for Mountaineer fans. I think they'll make it as hostile as they can for him. Should they do that? I'm against it. I think they should cheer for him. He's a hometown kid. He gave everything he had for the last two seasons, but they can do what they want. Um, but I do wish him nothing but the best. Yeah. You can't do anything more than to wish him nothing but the best. Um, yeah, as far as the booing goes, you know, it's a hometown kid from Fairmont. He was part of that electric 2020 to 21 team, um, you know, with Deuce McBride and, and Derek Culver and those guys. And he was a big part of that team. Um, you know, I can I can see why fans would boo him. Somebody, you know, going straight to the Big 12. But, you know, should they? I don't really. I don't really know. Um, you know, I, I think he will succeed at Baylor. I, I'm interested to see how his game will change. I think he's going to be more assertive. But like him, he couldn't take anybody off the ball, uh, off the dribble this year. One on one, he wasn't scoring. Um, you know that first year he played, he had Deuce and Taz facilitating. People would double them, and he'd be wide open for a three. So if he can get that kind of play um, from the guard position, and he can, I don't think he'll just sit out on the wing. I think he'll be more aggressive, and I think he'll he'll average ten or eleven a game this year for Baylor. And I do think he'll get booed a lot in Morgantown. I think he'll start. Um, I'm just just looking at the roster and who who's left for the NBA already. I think there's enough area for him to start. And I don't think he would go there if he didn't want to start. Like if he wasn't going to start, you know. I feel like he was told by Scott Drew, "Hey, you're going to be a part of this team." Like I think I think he's going to be a part of their team next year. And I think that it's, it's going to be cool to see him develop. It's going to be. It's obviously sucks 
to see him go against the Mountaineers, but maybe he drops 30 at Morgantown and he can shut everyone up. Oh, maybe he absolutely will. You, you know he'll do <laughs> You just know. Or maybe he or maybe he doesn't play. Um, maybe he gets hurt, unfortunately. I'm not wishing that. Well, who, did, who did Baylor lose? Akinjo? They've lost Akinjo. They've lost so, Sohan. And they've lost oh, – um, Yeah, and they lost um, – what's his name? I'm blanking on it. It's – but they, they lost enough people, I know – that they've lost at least three guys already to the NBA. Um, is Dale Bonner still there? Dale Bonner went to Fairmont, uh, Fairmont State. So I'll look. Let's see. Um, that would be interesting if Bonner. And, yeah, I and mean, Drake, in fairness, if if uh, Scott Drew was able to go into um, Huggins' backyard in a sense and steal two like local kids, like. That's just not a good look in my opinion. That's it's it's not a good look, but it's also not a a bad look. So so let's see. So Jeremy Sohan, he's gone to the NBA. I think Kendall Brown also um, he's, a, he's gonna be a lottery pick, I think. Yep. And then Flagler, I don't think left. Akinjo, he left. Um, and then that's all that's left. Dale Bonner, um, he he can return, so yeah, he can return because he'll well, be Flagler's, people are gonna respect Flagler out of that guard position. He's been there for two or three years and he yeah, he'll be a, he'll be a, he'll be a, he'll be a senior, yeah. a, a true senior. If he facilitates JB would, would in theory be open and and the play of Flagler, he could kind of feed off that. Yep. And then they'll obviously solve JTT. Um Matthew Meyer could come back, but it's just it's just crazy to see how Baylor's kind of taking a step up with JB, I think. So should be interesting. Obviously it'll be a hot ticket for some people or some people I just don't think, I think are over it. I think they won't care. Still waiting to see where um, Isaiah and Sean end up um, would be interesting, but that is all for now on basketball news. Do you have anything else? Yeah, just Sean. I, I've, I've heard Texas Tech is interested. So if he were to go to Tech, that would be another Big 12 team taking one of uh, WV's own. So that would be interested to see. I know he's got visits with like Cincinnati and Louisville coming up. I think Cottrell's looking more West Coast with like Washington and, and schools like that, but they haven't announced anything. So yeah, Cottrell, I think Cottrell, he's, he's kind of a wild card to me. He's from Vegas. Yeah. I think he'll probably go back there. As That's for right. Sean, it was reported yesterday his final visits are to Virginia, Cincinnati, Indiana, um, Ohio State, and then Louisville at some point in the future. So he's getting out of the Big 12, I think. Um, I wouldn't be surprised to see him like at an Indiana or Louisville or even a Virginia. I think he'd really fit in well at Virginia. He'd obviously have to play a little more defense than he was playing, but yeah, he's um, terrible yeah. on ball defense. So. But Virginia would be a good fit for him offensively. So I have nothing else. I don't think you have anything else. Um, if you've reached this far in our podcast, we do appreciate you listening. Once again, I am Wesley Shoemaker, joined by Aaron Parker. Thank you for listening. Find any more content on bluegoldsports.com. And this is the Blue Gold Sports Podcast.